This gospel message is brought to you by the redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. Verse 45 to 51. 1 Samuel 17, verse 45 to 51. Hallelujah. Technical team, are we there? I'll read from my from my Bible. I can. Okay, so I'm reading from the NIV. Oh well, um, it says, David said to the Philistine, "You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I came against I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the Lord of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied." This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world, um, the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gather there will know that it's not by the sword or by the spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and it will give all of you into our hands. And the Philistine moved closer to attack him. David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheet. After he killed him, he cut off his head with a sword. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Okay. So when I got the dreaded email from pastor about two weeks ago, this was the passage that came to my mind. And, but then I started to think that this is the story of David and Goliath. These spiritual people, they know the story inside out. What am I going to tell them about this, Father? And I then, then it occurred to me that it's not about what I say here today. It's not what I say. It's about how the Holy Spirit breathes onto what you hear. And when we come to the presence of God, it's not about who is standing in front. It's not about who is ministering, whatever. It's about us focusing on God, focusing on Jesus. And so our topic today will be conquering your giants. Conquering your giants. Hallelujah. Shall we pray, please? And so, Father, we come to your presence again. We come to receive from you. We come to focus on you. We come to magnify you, O oh God. Father, we pray that, Lord, it will not be about people. It will be about you and you only. We pray, O oh God, that we will not see man, but we will see you. And because of that, our lives will not remain the same, Father. Father, that we might all decrease. In fact, that I might disappear and you might be magnified, Father. Father, nobody that comes into this place will remain the same today, Father. Because you will do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, we're praying. Okay, you forgive me. This is not very, you know, I'm not used to this. So the first thing I've written in my notes here is that life is full of challenges. That's, I'm not saying anything new, right? Sometimes in life we face giants. Huge ones. And giants are things that make us, they make us feel overwhelmed. 
They make us feel stressed. They make us feel inadequate. They make us feel completely lost. However, I was thinking about that. I was like, okay, challenges, giants. Then, I, then it occurred to me that not all the challenges we face in life are actually giants. Some, sometimes as Christians, we make mountains out of molehills. Um, and for instance, we get anxious about tomorrow. And according to God's standard, tomorrow is not a giant because he holds tomorrow. So if we put our trust in the God that holds tomorrow and knows tomorrow and created tomorrow, and he has our best interest at heart. So how is that a giant? That's not a giant any longer. And we can see that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 35. It says, why are you thinking about I'm not going to read that. It's a long passage, but we know, we know, we know the passage about already. If you keep thinking about tomorrow, are you going to add any inch to your, to, your, to your height or anything? You're not going to. Tomorrow is not a giant. But still, that's immaterial of that. We face giants sometimes. And the Bible is replete with examples of lots of giants. So what, what, what are the characteristics of giants? Why, why, I mean, why do I call them giants? I mean, Goliath was a giant, yes, but what are the characteristics generally of even giants that we face at the moment? Number one, your giants, though they are not peculiar to man, they are unique to you. You fight them yourself. And, in fact, the mode of operation of giants is actually to isolate you somewhere so that they can fight you directly yourself. And I can see that in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 8 to 9. Um, Senka, you're going to help me because my eyes are blurry. I can't see this Bible very well. <laughs> um, eight to nine. Yes. So Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. He said, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. Verse nine. If he's able to fight me and kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. So giants generally want to isolate us. It's a unique thing. It's, it's, I mean, it's unique to you. The other thing I noticed about giants, number two, is that the transactional commodity of giants is fear. Giants, they, they are flat pack bullies. And if we know about bullies in school, it's fear. They just want you to be afraid. The more afraid you are, the bigger the giant is. The more afraid you are, they thrive on fear. And it's paralyzing fear, negative fear. And I see that in 1 Samuel 17. Let's read verse 11. And then we'll read 24. And then I'll open Numbers 13. So 17 verse 11. It says, On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and they were terrified. And verse 24 when the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Numbers 13, let's read Numbers 13. We'll read 32 all the way to 14, verse 1. Numbers 13, 32. So, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anna come from Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our eyes, in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. And then let's go on. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. They were scared. They were afraid. Fear. 
But when I was doing the study, I said, but not all fears are negative fears. There are some fears that are positive, right? Yeah, I know the um, spiritual ones amongst us who say fear of the Lord. Yes, that is a positive fear. Okay, I'm not that spiritual, but I'll give you a physical example. If a lion should walk through that door now, before you say bolt, you blink, I'm out of there. <laughs> I love you, don't get, don't get me wrong. But that, even if I'm running and I hit my foot against that, I, the pain will not come. I would, <laughs> I would reach Union Square before I feel the pain in my leg. That is fear. Proper fear. And that is a positive fear. <laughs> that is positive fear. The fear that makes you want to do something positive is positive fear. Are you not believing me? <laughs> it's negative fear that paralyzes. Whereas we are running, some people will stand and, you know, maybe Pastor Ruben will stand and pray. <laughs> me, I will not stand and pray. I'll be in Union Square. I'll be praying from Union Square. <laughs> okay, that's one fear. Maybe it can be tied to the fear of the Lord. I'm not ready to see God now. You know, that's fear of the Lord, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's one other fear I want to show you. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 11. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 11. Not of, even the Bible understands these things. Uh, <laughs> okay. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 11. I'm just reading the part, but it says, And poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcely like an armed man. When I wake up in the morning, and I want to snooze the alarm for 15 hours, and I think that poverty is coming, I wake up. That's fear. <laughs> Do we not agree that that's fear? (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Number three, giants do not go away easily. They might give you some breathing space for a little while, but unless you deal with them, they return. Um, Goliath kept coming back day and night for 40 days until he was dealt with. Even if it goes to sleep, there might be a reprieve for a little while. But until you deal with that giant, the giant stays there. Your giants, I don't know what giants you're facing today. I have my giants. Your giant might be an addiction. It might be a character defect. It might be unbelief. It might be health issues. It might be health of a child. It might be unhappy marriage. Whatever the giant is, the Lord is able to deliver us from them all. Now, I now started to think, I was like, so how do we conquer these giants? We've talked so much about them, and we know we we have an idea of what they are. So how do we conquer giants? The first thing that came to my mind, I want you to say to your neighbor, say, look up. Look up. Now, natural responses to giants. So when we face face giants, one of the natural responses that we, we have is, first of all, to look at the giants. When we face challenges as Christians, we analyze the problem. We look at the problem. We see how big it is. We do a SWOT analysis of it. We go to Dr. Google. We check. (laughs) You have a simple cold. You have a headache and a fever. You go, headache, fever, meningitis. (laughs) (laughs) So we, 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 I I, I mean, I'm a a, a science background. I like figures and things. But when we look at the problem, we do a SWOT analysis. All we see is the strength of the, of the giant. We don't see any weakness. We don't see any opportunities for us to conquer it. 
We see the threats the giant posed to us. We see that it's a huge giant. How are we going to get? We don't see anything else apart from the strength and the... So we do a, an ST analysis rather than the SWOT analysis. We don't see anything. We become afraid. And when we become afraid, the giant looks bigger. And this is not just us. If we read First Samuel chapter 17 from verse 4 to 7, the Bible dedicated four verses to describe Goliath. Four! Verses to describe Goliath. If we read, let's just read a little bit out of it. Just 4 to 7, 17. A champion named Goliath, so I forgot, I'll be quite quick, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over 9 feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He wore a coat of scale of armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. I don't know what that is. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves. He wants that. He wore that. Let's just, let's just stop. The Bible described him in detail. When you read it, you will fear. No, I mean, the, I was reading um, research suggests that the average height of an Israelite in the days of David was about 5'3". So if I stand, I'm a giant to 5'3". You now bring nine feet. Where are they going to go? So the Bible describes them very well. So that's one of the things we do as naturally. The other thing we do naturally when we face giants is we look around. What are we expecting to see? We expect to see friends, family, colleagues to stand by us, to help us face the giant. And then when we look around and we find no one, we get bitter. And bitterness and fear are two horrible pollutants to the soul. When you mix bitterness and fear together, that is death sentence for that soul. And then because we are bitter, we then withdraw which then focus into the mode of operation of the giant because he wants to isolate you anyway. So we then pick fights with our family members. We waste energy. When we are meant to concentrate energy to face the giant, you start to fight little fights, fights that are not important. (laughs) And when I was thinking about this, the Holy Spirit just dropped something into my mind about Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 26 verse 37 to 45. And I want us to read this. I'm going to be a little bit slow. I know my time is running and and I want us to get to where God wants us to get to. Matthew 26, verse 37. So that's talking about Jesus. Then he took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him and began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell down his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken away from me. Yet not I will, but as you. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. He said, Could you men not watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Then, watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then he goes on, 42. He went away the second time and prayed, My father, if it, is, if, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. 43. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. 44. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. And 45. Then he returned to the disciples and said, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of, his enemy, of, of, of sinners. Now, let's look at this together, critically. Ten chapters before, in Matthew chapter 16, 
verse 15 to 16. Peter said, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. So, Peter knew that Jesus was God. Abby, we agree, Abby. And Peter, James, and John were the closest guys to Jesus. These writer markers, the guys, not gone. Abina, did, did Jesus tell them to come and go to the cross with him? He said, watch with me. Abina, could they watch with him? What was Jesus' response to them? He said, come, let's go. It's enough. He did not expect, did he pick any fight with them? He knew he had to conserve his energy for the cross. When you start to pick inconsequential fights, the arm of flesh will fail. Don't expect too much from the next person that is going to stand with me. Stand with you for where? If he's not standing with you, don't pick up a fight with him. Conserve your energy to face the giants. And it will not, this message will not be complete. For those of you that are brothers, when your brethren are going through trouble and you leave them, God knows your number. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The other thing we do sometimes when we face giants is that we look inwards. We look into ourselves. And this is the current world philosophy. It says you have inner strength to conquer anything. The strength is within you. Look in for where. Where is the strength? When they say in my language that when a child gets to the place of fear, fear will catch him. (laughs) When we look inwards, I agree that you might find inner strength. But... Our inner strength usually fails us. Our inner strength usually fails us. And sometimes when we are retro- introspective, what we are doing is not actually finding strength. We are finding flaws. We are finding trouble. We are finding ways in which the giant can actually kill us completely. It is not to look inwards. The other thing we can do is to look backwards. We can see failures and times we fail. Sometimes we also look ahead. Looking ahead itself is not bad. But if... I'm a five foot three man, and a giant of nine foot is in front of me. If I want to look ahead, my whole vision is blocked. Sometimes we have challenges we want to look for, we want to see beyond the challenges, but you're so down in it that you don't even see forward. You don't see anything beyond it. That's why God wants us to look. Psalm chapter 121, verse 1 says that I look up to the hills. And I love the song that we sang today. It was just. It just shows that the Spirit is one. Where comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. You are not able to conquer giant based on your statistics, based on your abilities, based on your prowess. This is usually woefully inadequate. We need to shift our focus onto him. You fight, based, you fight to win based on the power of him who made the heavens and the earth. Let's read 1 Samuel 17, verse 45 and 47. 1 Samuel 17, 45 and 47. It says, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied. Uh, 47. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Make it his battle. Make it his battle. Now, okay, I have some time to just say some things. 
when we focus on him, we see him for who he is. Let's read Psalms chapter 147, verse 45. And let me just drop a few um, stats. Psalms 147, verse 45. Psalm 147, verse 45. It determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. I wanted to focus on chapter, um, verse 4. It calls the stars by name. Hmm. Our sun, our sun, the sun that we see every morning. It's so large that it can contain 1.3 million earths squeezed into it. It can fit into it. And some astronomers call our sun a mediocre star. It's mediocre, as big as it is. Our galaxy alone, the Milky Way, has over 200 billion stars. And this God calls each one of them by name. Conservative estimates say that we have 10 billion trillion. So there's no word for it. It's not gazillion. It's 10 billion trillion stars in the universe. And this God calls them each by name. How big is this God? How majestic is it? The biggest star, I found this, it's just a trivia actually. The biggest star, you see, I'm not used to this. <laughs> the, biggest, uh, the biggest star is called Canis Majoris. It's translated the big dog. It can contain about 1,300 of our sun. That's how big the universe is, how big. And that is what we know. That's what scientists have been able to see. The ones they've not seen, Uncle. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. Make it his battle. Make it his battle. But some of you will say, I, I, I played the devil's advocate a little bit for myself. Some of you will say, I've been looking up. My eyes are even sore from looking up. Nothing has happened. Looking up means we surrender all. Our strengths, our weaknesses, our hopes, aspirations, our purposes, our failures, everything. But the hint is, when you make God's business your business, it will make your business his own. And who burn the giant? Who give back to that giant that wants to stand in front of our God? When God has made your business his business. Let's make it his business. The crux of it is that it's always about God. It's never about us. It's never about us. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Number two, I've said look up, right? Number two, do not copy and paste. Hallelujah. If you thought that uh, I would bring big, big Latin words and biblical, theological words, you got the wrong man. Yeah, I'm not doing any exegesis. And even I don't know the meaning of exegesis, but pastor has said it before, and it sounds very nice. <laughs> when we face giants, we get lots of suggestions from experts, lots of ideas, people who are experts. You know, while I agree that in the multitude of counsel, there's safety, but our giants are unique to us. You need a personal experience, a personal revelation to defeat your giant. Our personal journey. Let's read 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 38 to 39. 1 Samuel 17, 38 to 39. 38 says, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on a sword over the tunic and tried walking around, but he was not used to them. 
I cannot go in this. He said, so, because I'm not used to it. So he took them off. We need to take off all the ideas that we have, all the previous ideas we've gotten, and we need to get the recipe to defeat our own giant from him in the closet. In the closet. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Number three, prepare or preparation. Goliath fell in a single day, but the process of his fall started ages before. Some of us want to build skyscrapers in a single day. If we read 1 Samuel 17, verse 34 to 37, let's read that together. 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 37. Okay. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Hallelujah. We need to build a relationship. It's a relationship. You start with winning small battles with God first, and you keep it. Win small battles, and you keep it. Trust him for the little things, and slowly build up your faith. Trust him for the little things, and slowly build up. Because when the giant will then come, that is the, what you draw from to be able to defeat your giant. How can I believe God for a million pounds when I've not believed him for 10 pounds? How would that happen? We need, to, we need to prepare. We need to prepare. You need to win small battles. And Daniel chapter 11 verse 32, the first, um, B part says that it's they that know their God. Can we read that? Daniel eleven thirty-two. It says, with flattery, it will corrupt those who have violated the covenant. But the people who know their God will firmly resist them. It's people who know their God, who have stayed in the closet, who have developed a relationship that will be able to, that will be able to firmly resist them. Number four, say to the person sitting close to you, fight. I didn't say fight them. I said say to them, Fight. Fight. I said earlier that giants will not go away except you deal with them. They will not go away except you deal with them. As we remember, for those of us that went to maybe boarding houses or whatever, if bullies bully you and all that, until you deal with the bully, they keep coming back. So you need to deal with them. You do not negotiate with giants. You don't run away from giants. Some, you know, some people say, oh, he will live to fight. He will fight and runs away. Lives to fight and the giant will be waiting for you. You leave, you fight, you run, it will be there waiting. So we don't, we don't give up. Even if you've been defeated multiple times, even if you've been punched and you are punched drunk, you do not give up. You rise again and you fight. You don't think that by ignoring the giant, it will go away. As I said earlier, the people of Israel, the, um, Goliath was torturing them for 40 days. I think maybe Saul thought that if we ignore him long enough, he will not come back. But did Goliath not come back? He kept coming back until he was killed. So the same way we need to fight. 
you speak and you tell what you what you will do to the giant, you fight. You go in God's strength, you go with purpose, you go with passion. I don't know um, what I said. I don't know what giants were facing. I don't know whether we've been, we've been defeated so many times. You are the verge of giving up, but don't give up. I have the word for someone that you do not give up. You do what? You fight. You fight for that child. You fight for your health. You fight for your character. You fight for whatever it is. You fight. Let's read First Samuel 17, and we'll, and we'll point something out, and then um, we'll soon be rounding off. First Samuel 17, we'll read 45 again to 49. And I will point something out to us. First Samuel 17, 45 to 49. So David said to the Philistine, we've read this before, but we'll read it again. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistines' army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by the sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and it will give you in, all of you into, my, into our hands. As the Philistines moved closer, look at what David did. David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. He didn't shirk. He ran quickly. And he reached into his, bar, into his bag, take, took out a stone, and slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into the Philistine's forehead, and he fell face downward on the ground. David fought with passion, with purpose, meaning to fight. David kept telling Goliath that, I will kill you, I will cut off your head, and I... And all the rest of that with you will kill all of you. So you tell your giants that you will speak to your giants and you will fight in the strength of the Lord. You do not negotiate. You do not, you do not say, uh, I've given up. I've tried. I've done my best. You've not done your best until the giant goes down. How many do we have now? I've even completely forgotten myself. Four. Ah, thank you. People are listening. Thank you very much. Number five, praise. Hallelujah. Praise. It starts, it continues, it ends in praise. Praise is a tool. Praise is a defense. Praise is a weapon. As we remember when um, our mommy was leading us last week, she said, Praise helps you to refocus on Him. Most issues with life that we deal with is about an issue of perspective, how you see things. And praise makes you to see a limitless God. And a limited giant. Your praise will confuse the giant. The giant will think, I've beaten this guy a few times. This guy should lay low. But this guy is standing and praising. What's he praising for? It will confuse him. You praise God for what he's done in the past. You praise him for what he's going to do to the giant. You praise him for where he's taking you to. Even when you fall, you praise him. Just give him praise. All the time, let praise not depart from your mouth. Number six, exterminate. That's a very big word, exterminate. Why did I use that word? Exterminate. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 49 to 51. First Samuel 17, 49 to 51. It says, reaching out his bag, um, let, let's read 50. He fell for his 50. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. So Goliath was dead in 50. 
And then David ran and stood over him. He took hold of a Philistine sword, drew it from the scabbard, and he, after he killed him, he cut off his head with a sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and they ran. Why did David cut off his head? He was dead already. Why did he do that? To be doubly sure. You go all the way with giants. If the Lord gives you an upper hand, you go all the way with giants. Once you get an upper hand, you go all the way. For instance, if it's a bad habit, for instance, and God has given you victory, every evidence that is leaking you to those habits, you would take them away. You destroy them completely. People will come and say, "Ah, uh-uh, your own is even too much. But they don't know your story. They don't know where you are coming from. If, for instance, for example, maybe it's alcohol you were struggled with in the past, and now that you've gotten victory over it, you don't even, you know, even, even if it looks like red, you don't come close to it. People be like, uh-uh, it's, uh, it's just one percent. Eh, I know where I'm coming from. And the Lord has given victory. You, you completely exterminate. Number seven is you fortify. You fortify your worlds. Use the momentum that you've gotten from defeating your giant to deal with other issues. You use it to deal with other issues. And I see that in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 51 to 53. 1 Samuel 17, 51 to 53. Um, no, 50, 50, let's, the later part says, when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and they ran. Let's go to 52. Then the men of Israel and Judah searched forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. The, their dead were strewn uh, along the Seram road to Gath and Ekron. And 33, when the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. So once God gives you the, um, once God gives you the, the victory over one giant, the same momentum, use it to deal with other smaller issues. And the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. As I said before, I don't know what giants we're facing. I don't know what giants we're fighting. I believe strongly in my heart that the giants we see today will not go into 2019 with us in Jesus' name. Shall we rise to pray? I, I don't know what giants is it, it is you're facing at the moment. I don't know what issues you're struggling with. I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know what issues have battered you down. I don't know what issues have been so big that you've almost lost hope. The word I have from God today is from Exodus chapter 14 verse 13. And it says that the the Egyptians that you see today, you will see them no more. I want us to go to God in prayer. Speak to him. Bring the issues in front of him. Bring the issues in front of him. Present it to him. Say, Father, this is the issue. Father, this is the giant in my life. Father, this is the giant. I'm not going in your strength. I know victory is assured only in you. And I pray that victory will be mine. Amen.
I want us to also pray that praise will not depart from our mouths, that we will continually praise him, we will continually, continually praise him. We will continually praise him, continually. And our praise will be a defense, it will be a weapon, it will be a shield for us. That from today onwards, we will continually praise, we will continually praise. Father, we thank you. Give you all the praise, Lord. There is none like you, Father. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. For in Jesus' name we pray. And so, Father, we come to the throne of grace again, O oh God. We come boldly to receive grace, to be able to face our giants, to be able to fight and to conquer, O oh God. We ask that you help us to continually look up to you, derive our strength from you, O oh God. And that the giants that we face today, O oh God, they will be completely annihilated in the name of Jesus. We will see them no more. We will see them no more. And Father, we pray that our mouths will be full of your praise. We will praise you in the, on the mountain. We will praise you in the valley. We will praise you everywhere, Father. Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. For in Jesus' name, we have prayed. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.